I have a hope every week that at some point, maybe during the week or the next month, uh, that you'll maybe not remember that I said it. That's fine. I don't want credit for it because usually it's not coming from me, but it's coming from Scripture. But hopefully something that is said here um, on Sunday morning manages to impact your life. And, And for you, that happens after. It's hard to know what I'm going to say before I say it, especially with me. Sometimes that's difficult. Uh, I used to have an elderly woman at the church where we worshipped in Teague who would always come up to me and she'd say, I, she was in Texan, she said, I, I always listen to you. And I'm, well, thank you, I'm talking. And she would say, because you never know what you're going to say next. Like, well, no one knows what anyone's going to say next. That's just, anyway, hopefully that comes the week after, the month after. But for me, this particular lesson uh, has, and and a lot of them do this for me as I'm I'm prepping, preparing for them. Um, You may think, oh, yeah, remember what Benjamin said. But I always think, oh, remember what you're going to say. There's 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 a time before the sermon for me that uh, is impacted by what the sermon will be. And for me, that's a gauge for whether or not it's going to be a good one or not. Um, if, if I can't have a thing that I'm looking forward to and say, oh, I've got to remember that this thing is what I'm going to say, so I've got to li- be living this out and be letting, letting it challenge me. And, and this has really uh, affected me throughout this week, this particular sermon and it's affected me actually through the past month Uh, we recently moved uh in uh to a house bought a house um we bought in our minds what was a house that was perfect for us and we've spent the last month and a half redoing it (laughs) it's crazy like we said oh that's the one we want except none of it needs to look the same and so we've been working on it, and we've, uh, it just seems like everything has a, 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 a twist and a turn. Have you ever messed with oil paint, like oil-based paint? I've got, I've got some on me still here, right there. Oil-based paint and stain, I can't get it out. Uh, there's, there's, there's a sink in our, in our house that has paint all I'm so sick of it, but what I'm really sick of is having a list that never gets done. Every once in a while, Rachel will walk through the house with a basket of laundry and say, Will you people quit wearing clothes? That's how she feels. She says, You're always wearing stuff and eating stuff. If we would would just quit wearing clothes and stop eating her. She said life would be so much easier. And she doesn't take have any have any sympathy on me because oh as a preacher Sunday comes every week. Yeah. Okay. Whoop de doo. Now with this list, with the list of things, well we gotta paint this table and we gotta um we've got to fix these chairs and we've we've got to organize this room and hang pictures on the wall 
the amount of math involved in hanging pictures fractions. One sixteenth? That, that's, that's an unnecessary fraction. And so I've, I've got a list that I'm... And so I woke up yesterday knowing full well that I'm going to preach this sermon. I woke up yesterday and said, uh, oh, I got, I've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to accomplish. And then halfway through the day, I didn't feel like I was accomplishing any of it. Have you ever had that day where you did a lot and did nothing? I've had about 14 of those days, or 15, over the past two weeks. And Yeah, I'm tired of math. I'm all mathed out. I got I, I, like this, this, it was like the Spirit speaking to me, as, like a, as much as a Church of Christ person can hear the Spirit. Like, in my heart, I just kept remembering, remember what you're going to say. And so maybe if you've been there where I've been, maybe what I'm going to say will help you as much as it's helped me. Because Ecclesiastes, <laughs> you're like, wait, what? Is that a book? Ecclesiastes is this book of wisdom that's really difficult to hear. It's, it's, it's got this uh, rhythm to it. As most books of wisdom do, they have a rhythm. that tell, like It'll do this one thing over and over again to remind you we're going through this and it's smooth. And we've put this book of wisdom together that is, that is helpful for you. And we want you to remember it. But the rhythm of Ecclesiastes is meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless, meaningless. Now, the, the Hebrew here is a double. Um, so it's not just meaningless, meaningless. Actually, the best way to translate it, uh, King James says vanity of vanities. Uh, that's a pretty good way, except vanity doesn't mean now what it meant back then. It actually better be translated like the most meaningless of meaninglessnesses. Or it's really hard, like an idea that's really hard to get your hands on, like an enigma actually would be a good translation for this. So the, the rhythm of Ecclesiastes is this, it's so meaningless. Meaningless. I mean, look how he opens it. And it's one of those things I'm not going to put on the, the board because I want you to hear it. Sometimes scripture needs to be heard and not read. Ecclesiastes 1.1, the words of the teacher son of David, king in Jerusalem. Real quick, there's two, there's two uh, characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. There is uh, Kohelet and the author. The author is the one who just said, I present to you the teacher. The word that the, gets translated teacher there is Kohelet. It's used as a proper name here. It just means the gatherer. The person who brings people together. And it's, it's here, it's to teach them. 
he would gather people together. Now, the author is going to have some things to say about what Kohelet says later in chapter 12. But Kohelet is this, uh, or the teacher, is this guy who is, he's the meaningless, meaningless guy. And eventually, the, te- the author is going to say, okay, well, yeah, that's what he meant, but, you know. He's going to change it. Now, this is what makes Ecclesiastes so difficult because you have to try to figure out when is Kohelet right and when is he wrong. Those of you who have read Job, we run into the same thing with Job. Job gets upset because um, uh, I think Scripture says everybody dies. Like everybody in the whole book at the beginning, like if you're connected to Job, it goes away. Cows, everything. Houses fall over. They, someone kicks over one of his buckets just to make sure everything's destroyed. It's awful. And then all of his friends come and, and sit with him for a while and then start sort of espousing like, whoa, whoa, I wonder what you did to make this happen to you. What wrong occurred that you are in such peril? What sin did you commit? And so they talk, and then Job responds. His friends Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar talk. And then there's this guy at the end named Elihu who talks. But what's crazy about that book is you you can't just quote Job. Because sometimes when Job is talking, he's wrong. When Bildad is talking, Bildad's real wrong. All the time. So you can't just say, well, the Lord says in Job. No, there's a guy talking. In Job, who's incorrect sometimes. So you have to pay attention to who's speaking and why they're speaking. Because it's a story. It's not just a book of words. So the author here is presenting Kohelet. And he's saying, let's listen to this guy for a second. Imagine it as if the author says, all right, and he has got a TV behind him, and he says, uh, we're going to get some messages from uh, a man. We're going to listen to a man named Kohelet, and he, he finds the play button. It's a, it's a VHS. This is old. This is Old Testament. Finds the play button and hits play, and then the squigglies, and then it clears up, and then there's Kohelet going, meaningless, meaningless. That joke's not going to play in like 15 years, but I appreciate you guys. And here's Kohelet in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. That's a good way of saying, climb a mountain, see if it cares. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind, no, notice this guy's not a scientist. Like he's not like saying this is how the world functions. He's just making a point. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, and round it goes, and even ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's crazy. That's only crazy if you don't know how weather works. (laughs) But it is nuts. He's he's confounded. 
every every river I've ever watched goes to the goes to the ocean. Never goes away. Stays right where it sits. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say. All, everything is exhausting. Everything. Disney World is exhausting. The greatest place on earth is exhausting. You know, Mineral Springs, Disney World. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Have you ever had this thought? I have it about once a month. My great-grandkids won't remember me. Now, in our day, it may take longer because Facebook remains. And judging by my Facebook feed, they'll probably won't claim me. But there is there's this sense of, like, we're here, and we start to think we're really important. And Kohalet, comes on screen and says you're going to die and then you're going to be forgotten okay and he doesn't quit the whole time he is just pounding away at the things that are meaningless your wealth what he says he says you're going to work really really hard and you're going to you're going to earn some money and you're going to get rich and then guess what's going to happen next you're going to die and you're going to give it to somebody who doesn't appreciate it it's meaningless and you're going to exercise you're going to exercise and exercise and you're going to get um you're 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 going to you're going to run marathons and be champions and then you're going to get hit by a bus not really no <laughs> not really but you could, like you could have the healthiest heart in the world, and then there's that one little valve. Who knows? It's, you know, you feel the sense of like, oh no. It's like it all ends in the same place. Get, get healthy, see where that leads you. See, see and, and Colette is almost mocking us, saying, you see, see how much your health and your wealth and your status and your career and your accomplishments mean when you're dead. Just see how much. And the answer is, in the end, well, I guess, they're meaningless in and of themselves. In, uh, in this, this refrain of meaningless, meaningless, continues throughout the whole thing. He says it so many times. It's, close, it's in the mid-30s. He's, he has this refrain of, it's just mean, it's worthless, meaningless, it's trivial, it's vanity, it's, it's, you're never going to fully 
appreciate. Now, the author, not Kovalet, remember there's two characters, the author at the end will tell you, Kovalet's a little dramatic. He's, he's being a bit hyperbolic because he's, he's trying to make a point. And he might not even be trying to make a point. Kovalet may be a jerk. We're not sure. Um, some people think it's Solomon. I don't think it's Solomon. I think it's someone like Solomon, a teacher in the w- way of Solomon. But there is a... Um, there, there's, there's this sense that he just thinks, it's just worth... Why, why in the world am I doing the things I'm doing? And he goes on. And this is a, in, in chapter 3, this is actually a famous passage, but I don't think we read it properly. Because he is bemoaning this fact. We teach it, we, we take it as like, you know, there's a time for everything. See, you do the right thing in the right sort of time. But wise men, all throughout uh, this time period, were actually really befuddled by the fact that, that we're not even sure when the time for what is. So there is, a, so listen to this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down. Well, I guess now's the time to kill. A time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to, or, you know, whatever Church of Christ people do at the end of that sentence. A time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to serve. Most of the time, for me, it's a time to refrain from embracing. I'm not a hugger. Maybe you are, and I'll love you anyway. A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak and a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, the the problem with us, and I think this is the same problem with Kohelet, is when, when do we do these things? I've sat in the homes of many people who have lost their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters, their friends, their spouses, their children. And in every single, every single incident, there has been both Tears and laughter. Every single one. And not just because I'm goofy. Because in those situations, I'm just, I just want to listen. I'm just there as ears. And most of the time, the family gets, they get tickled about something. About, just, I remember in my situation, uh, the first first family member I lost was my grandfather. And uh, he came here for a while, Ben Neely Sr. Um, I don't know if y'all called him Papa, but that's what I called him. And he was a nut. He was a nut. Like, he parked in handicapped places, and he wasn't handicapped, and he wouldn't quit. We had to tell him, you're not handicapped. He said, I'm old. And he'd just walk in. I don't... 
Like there's people in actual wheelchairs that need it. And so like, but like he's, he's, we have lost him and we're sad, but there's also this moment like we, we couldn't quit laughing about stuff Papa had done. And we couldn't quit crying about the fact that he was gone. And so the time to laugh, the time to cry, a time to rejoice, a time to be sad, like all of those are sort of intertwined and that's what makes life so hard is life is not this black and white. Uh, this is a time to do it and this is a time not to do it. They're just all sort of there together. And we're trying to figure it, figure it out when... When is the time to do what? And it's just confusing about what to do. Life is hard. And then he goes on and says, What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil this is a gift or a grace. The word here is actually, this is an amen of God. This is a yes, a blessing of God. But look what Kohelet's doing. He's saying the things we're trying to accomplish are meaningless. But the gift of God is the fact that we get to try to accomplish them. A lot of times, I can get real caught up in what I'm not doing, what I'm not getting done, what I'm failing to accomplish, and I can miss the beautiful scene in front of me. My kids are playing, and it's beautiful. I ordered a pizza. And I, I, don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> I ordered a pizza, and I get to enjoy it. I, we are at a wedding. And while excruciating, it's, ex, it's exciting. See, the way we often work is instead of enjoying the wedding ceremony, we're trying to predict whether the bride and the groom are going to make it. Now, we wouldn't be so bold as to actually do that at a wedding, but in our actual lives, instead of, instead of enjoying the gift of God, which is that we get to do the next thing, and I get to enjoy it. I get to enjoy my life. It may not mean much. <laughs> and this is a hard pill to swallow in the U.S. 
Because we love, I've quoted this stat a lot, like 80% of the people in the U.S. believe they're above average. Thank you. That's nuts. Really, only 49% of the people should believe they're above average. And that, that lower, that closer to 50 shouldn't feel all that special about it. We're all sort of, but in our world, everybody's special. And I'm not bemoaning everybody getting a trophy. I don't know. You can buy trophies. Just go buy a trophy if you want one. Best trophy buyer. That's what. (laughs) But this sense of, in, in the U.S. particularly, we have trouble with, well, I'm special. My ideas are the best. Well, okay, it's meaningless. Like the things you're trying to accomplish and you're trying to hold and hold up in front of everybody and say, look what I did, that's meaningless. But the beauty that you get to experience while you're raising your kids, while you're participating in marriage, while you're participating, serving your church, like, listen, ladies' night out, the best thing about ladies' night out is that we get to put it on. That it, the best thing about Ladies Night Out is that it's happening, not that it has happened. And so it's, it's the present that matters. We talked about this in class, and I stepped on my sermon a little bit. But Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, because today has enough trouble of its own. He said, God provides for the birds and the flowers. He feeds the birds and dresses the flowers. Will he not feed and dress you? If any of you said, if any of you had a son and your son came to you and said, hey, I would like a piece of bread and you gave him a rock, you, you wouldn't do that. And, if, and, if, and you're a horrible person. God's good. He's going to do good things. There, this, is, this is an absolute pivotal teaching, pivotal wisdom in the growing up and maturing of life is that you don't waste your time worrying about tomorrow or regretting yesterday. That you enjoy today. It's funny in, that we don't, it, it feels to me, at least this is, was my instinct preparing this sermon, that enjoyment is not a Christian word. But for some reason, I think, We've neglected enjoyment and tried to teach joy, and we failed. But you can only enjoy what's happening right now. Look up from your phones at your kids, at your spouse. There were some teenagers in the back, I think, that were actually looking at their phone. <laughs> they were like, what? It was their Bible. It was fine. Their Bible sounds a lot like Angry Birds, but there, there, there's a, there's one of the problems we have is that we we give value to the accomplishments, to the checking off of the to dos, and we don't give any value to the journey. And this is the wisdom of Kohelet. Now, we'll, we'll see next week 
where Colette misses it a little bit, where the author kind of corrects some things in chapter 12. But the wisdom of Colette is that the things aren't the important part. It's getting there. You wouldn't do this in a healthy marriage. You wouldn't do this with um, your children where you would say, well, let me just get you to 18, and there we go. Like, no, I just, I'm going to enjoy you. One of, the, one of the biggest things, mistakes parents make a lot is they will say things like, oh, like to their kid, oh, I just wish you were so, when you were a baby, you were so cute. What about now, dad? Like we're constantly wishing our kids were or can't waiting until they will be. You got a kid in front of you right now. Let's, what they were and what they will be was and will be. And you can worry about that when it happens. And you can enjoy that when it happens. But you will, you will never get to where you will be and you will never get to do over what you were. But you got right now. And Colette says, that is a gift from God. Right now is grace. This moment is grace. You, you can enjoy it. I think it was, was last Sunday the Oscars? It seems like a, a year ago. I don't know if anybody watched the Oscars. I don't know if anybody watched the movies that were on the Oscars. But uh, a film called La La Land was announced as best picture. At the very end. And the best picture is Warren Beatty looked at it and went, mm. handed it to this other lady, and she said, La La Land. Well, they had given her the wrong envelope. They had given her the best female actress, outstanding actress award, and it was um, the stone... Emma Stone, thank you. Uh, I knew it, but preachers have to pretend they don't know culture. It was Emma Stone, and underneath it said La La Land. So they announced La La Land. Well, then people started, people were coming up. You know how many people walk up on stage after like a best picture? Not, so, like it's a billion people. Like one-seventh of the world is on the stage. And they are, they're all standing there, and then they have to like come up and kind of tell these people, hey, um, you didn't win. And if you go back and watch that, Jimmy Kimmel, the host, is just laughing. Because why not? Why not? Why do I have to? Oh, why can't I just? Oh, well, this is crazy. It's kind of fun. Why can't we enjoy the things, even the anxiety in our life, we can kind of step back from it and say, well, it's just a thing that's happening. There we go. What in this moment can I enjoy? Now, I'll tell you, as I am decent at this, it can get you in trouble. But it's worth it. Because pe people are so uptight about tomorrow and so downtrodden about yesterday that they're not, in, they're not enjoying today. 
yeah, yesterday was awful. It really was. And it will affect today. And you've got stuff to do tomorrow that you need to plan for today. But those little moments are genuine gifts from God. Your grandkids, your kids, your spouse, your church, people at Walmart. Do you realize if you went into Walmart, instead of saying, oh, these people, you said, oh, these people. It's a completely different trip. It's way better. And it's a gift from God. God gifted you. Though, like when you thought, where did you even get those pajama pants? You can celebrate that instead of be mad about that. That's it. That's the way to live. Colette isn't saying the world is meaningless and life is not worth living. He's saying life is absolutely worth living. But the things you're trying to chase after aren't really that important. But the thing you got in front of you right now is. I will deal with this because it's in front of me. And I will do my best to enjoy this because it's in front of me. And the stuff we've got going right now is fantastic. Because it's, it's all we got. You can't have a relationship with another human being in the past. Like you can't foster a, a, a past relationship and you can't foster a future relationship. You can only have relationships right now. And you can't have a relationship with God in the future. And you can't lean on your relationship with God in the past. You can only have a relationship with God right now. Do not feel holy because you have prayed or you will eventually get to it. Open up that line now. Pray now. Love now. Show mercy now. The sort of stuff God is calling us to do only can happen in this moment, and this moment, the only one we got, and it's a gift. Now, if I were a mystic or a philosopher, I'd probably tell you, you must be present. Mm. But as a Christian, I'm just going to point to Jesus who said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems. Today's good. Today's all you got. And today, you are blessed to be loved and cherished and adored by the God who created you, redeemed you, and will resurrect you by the, by the power of our King, Jesus. That's what we've got today. That, from now to now to now to now, never changes. The constant in every now that you have is the presence and the power of Jesus and the God who sent him. That's what we got. So if I can stand on that, that's pretty good. That's, that's a firm foundation with, on which to enjoy anything. You know why Jimmy Kimmel laughed? Well, one, it was funny, but other people thought it was funny and didn't laugh. I heard him interviewed about it afterward, and he said, 
Why not? What he meant was, what are they going to Like, who's going to shoot him when he laughs? Nobody. Who's going to fire him from his TV show? If he, nobody. Well, somebody could, but no, probably not. Nobody's going to hurt him. He's not afraid of anybody. And that's what the Christian stance is. is death has lost its sting. Not its sorrow. Its sting. It's lost its power. And so all of this in my life that is tumultuous and difficult and hard to deal with, I can handle it. And I can enjoy it, because why not? God has given you your next moment. Don't miss that moment because you're worried about the next or regretting the last. Just do now. Let's do now together. That's what churches are. A bunch of people following God right now together, doing the best we can and enjoying what we've got. Enjoying the task, even though it may be a toil, as he says. The end result is meaningless. 3,000 years from now, who knows what this church will be? It could be a Starbucks. It could be. Our goal will not get in the way of our mission. And our mission can only be fulfilled right now, today. And then when tomorrow comes, when tomorrow becomes today, then that's the today that we've got. And it's the today we will work. It's the today we will love. It's the today we will worship. That's the day we will do it. This is heavy wisdom for a heavy life. And it is absolutely necessary for the maturity of an adult. Got to enjoy today because it's a gift from God. If you've been wrestling with this, um, if you haven't been wrestling with this, I think you might be a liar. Um, but if you, if this is just something like you need the church's prayer for, if, or if you don't have the firm foundation on which to stand today, then you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to commit to Jesus as a. As a follower, you need to join him in his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. You need to rely on the church for um, your growth, your faith, your community. Because it, without that firm foundation, you won't be able to laugh. You won't be able, that's not, you won't be able to be worry-free because the father takes care of his children. You won't be able to enjoy the gift of God until you follow God. So start following God today, right now, as we stand and sing.